0: Did that thing on purpose? So, how is everyone? I am very excited about this series. Um, intentionality is something that I am passionate about. I wish I was better at, but but I am uh, passionate about it, and I believe in it. Uh, I believe that that anything uh, of value that that you achieve uh, takes a. a a large portion of intentionality to make it a reality to take it from idea to reality and I believe that this is true in every aspect of our our lives uh, just physically it, it it's real easy to uh, to not be intentional in just how we treat our bodies. I believe it's um, uh, true emotionally, just how we uh, deal with our emotional self and and, in our relationships. If we're not intentional in our relationships, that we can blow them up or just not uh, pay attention to them and they they fade away. I also believe it's true in our finances. If we're not intentional in our finances, that's very easy to get in debt and you're like, where'd the money go? And uh, also spiritually, it's very easy to get off track spiritually. And intentionality is uh, actually a real uh, high-level biblical teaching, especially when it comes to uh, following Christ, because we don't follow Christ by accident. Following Christ is countercultural. To, to, to live out the life that he taught, to live the life that, that he demonstrated does not happen by accident. It is a choice. It is something that you have to choose to do and to intentionally uh, to follow. It is uh, a verb, it is an action, and I'm really excited about this series because we're going to be looking um, uh, spending time in the first five chapters of the book of acts and and the book of Acts is a really interesting time in the uh, in the period of the church it's It's when it became the church, and I think a lot of times we forget that we're part of the church, and the church has been around for 2,000 years, but the church wasn't always there, that that the church at, at one point did not exist, and and then uh, Christ gave the the command to go and be the church, and, and to go and make and mature and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ, fully devoted followers of, of Him, and and. You know, Acts is really uh, the the story of the startup, the church as a startup, as a as a you know the the IPO for you business people, the initial public offering of 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 being a follower of Christ, and I think that there's a lot of lessons to learn, uh, and just to see where we started as as the church and where we have come. And what intentional uh, acts had to happen in order for the church to be formed and to be what it is today? So if you open up your Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to start today. And where we pick up in, in Acts here is Peter had just given this, you know, this amazing sermon Talking about, about Jesus and, and and just who he was and talking about his death and his resurrection and the forgiveness of sins. And in verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So I don't know if you've ever dealt with large numbers of people, but you know, you have a small group of people, and uh, you have your your apostles, and you have the other uh, small group of of disciples. And then that day, they added three thousand people. They had no organizational structure. They didn't have bylaws. They didn't have a constitution. They didn't have a you know the five Ps to a perfect life all listed out and all this kind of stuff. It was chaotic. There's people who spoke different languages, different cultures. There was Jews. There was Gentiles. It was just a big mashup of people who were united by one thing. They believed that Jesus Christ was the son of God, that he died for their sins, and that he was alive, and that following him would would bring them to the rich and abundant life that God had envisioned for them. And then in verse 42, it says this, All the believers, these 3,000, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So just to paint a picture for you guys, you you have the apostles who uh, were the disciples who walked with Jesus when Jesus... uh, commissioned them. They turned from being disciples into the apostles. And they are teaching these new uh, disciples on how to follow Jesus like they followed Jesus for the three years that that they did life with them. And there was four things that, that really characterized this new church or the church in in the first century, or really the first days, and tells us those in verse 42, but specifically, they were known for this. Number one, learning, that the disciples were learning how to follow Christ. They were learning how to be in biblical community, how to interact with one another, how to interact with the world. That was a big deal. The second thing was fellowship, just being together. Just just being a community and interacting with one another. The next one was just sharing. Sharing in meals, sharing of their their finances, sharing of their talents and their care and their love that, that this community was characterized by their sharing. And then finally praying. That they prayed together. Now, this is what they were known for. These these were the things in the early days that they focused on, that these were the core four values. And again, the interesting thing is is the the big learning that they had to learn because none of them knew how to do it was how to be a Jesus community with Jesus not there physically. Because there's a big difference between Jesus saying, you know, in your face, you know, do this, Peter or Paul or Mary or whoever, and one of the, the apostles so and, and all this. So trying to figure out, you know, how do we do this? And the cool thing is, is they taught these new disciples that they had firsthand experience on what it was like doing life with Jesus for those three years, and and Jesus did community in a very specific way. Jesus did community in concentric circles, and. I think a lot of times we don't think about it this way. And this was something that was really, really difficult for me when I first became a follower of Christ and I came into biblical community. I didn't know how to interact with all of these people. Like, we're all Christians or we all go to the same church. So how, how do I interact with them? I went to a church of about 2,000 people, so it was a little overwhelming. Like, how do you do life with 2,000 people? Here you have over 3,000 people. How do you do life? Our church is around 500 people. How do you do life with about 500 people? And, fortunately, and this is what the disciples were trying to do, is like, how do, you, how do you do life in a biblical, healthy way? And what they did was they pointed to how they did life with Jesus. And this is how Jesus did life. Number one, he had those who he was intimate with. How many people in Jesus' er- earthly ministry is three years. How many people were he, was he intimate with? No phone a friend on the answer. How many? No, actually Three. Three, the Bible tells us that Jesus was intimate with three people, Peter, James, and John. That that he would go on special um, uh, outings with them. He would teach them uh, 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 things. He would introduce them to ideas that even the other, other, uh, do the math, nine, uh, did not have access to pastor not a math teacher <laughs> and I think a lot of times we forget about that that Jesus you know shared his his life and his most intimate temptations and, and things like that with with three men Peter James and John and then the next level of community he had was his his closest friends now his closest friends were his disciples and probably Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary and, and, and the, you know, a few, a few people here, like probably, you know, 12 to 15 people were his close friends. And these, are, these are, are people that he did life with. I mean, he lived with them. He ate with them just about every single meal. He was with them all the time. But there were these concentric circles. The next one was his community. Now, who was Jesus' community? How many people do you think made up of Jesus' community? About 70, actually. About 70. The Bible says in uh, some places 70s, 70, other 72. And these were disciples, too. These were people who went along with them as, as the years went on. These were, the, were, these were the disciples that Jesus sent out two by two to, to go and and to share the good news of the of the gospel. And so he had his uh, little larger community. And then, outside of that, he had his acquaintances. Now, sometimes Jesus, you know, we know that he taught, you know, 5,000 people, right? He fed the 5,000. But he wasn't in community with those 5,000 people. He didn't, wasn't close with those 5,000 people. And he definitely wasn't intimate with those 5,000 people. That... That he was acquainted with them, they were acquainted with him, maybe he recognized some of them, maybe he didn't recognize others, but but they were acquaintances. This is also in this group would be the, like the Pharisees, you know, and so it's not all people that you like too, it could be people like that are brood of vipers, you know, to quote Jesus, you know. Now these are, these are people that he would interact with on some sort of level, but weren't in his, you know, weren't in his community or close or intimate with. And then finally, just the crowd. These are the people who are, who are just walking around, you know, that, that they were there. They probably saw him. He probably saw them, but, but there was no connection. There was no interaction. And this is what the disciples were trying to teach these new believers was, hey, this is how Jesus did community. That all 3,000 of us do not need to be intimate. In fact, that would be impossible. It would be really unhealthy. You don't need to know everyone, but you should know or be known by someone. So there, the, for us, you know, that there's this idea that, that, you know what, we should be intimate with a very small group of people. Not everybody needs to know everything about us. Everybody in our church doesn't need to know everything that, that you're going through. But somebody should. If you go back to that slide, Carl, the graphic, that, that you know, in the intimate and close range, you know, the intimate is your, your, your dearest, closest friends, you know, in your close range, this should be your growth group. And you have to be intentional to build these relationships you know if there if you don't have somebody who knows you like really knows you not just like hey bob or something like that but but like knows knows that you know your 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 dark side and 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 helps you walk through that that you know, you have to have that in life. If you don't, if you do not have that, you're not experiencing a healthy biblical community. That, you know, you have to have people that you're close with, that you're sharing meals with and eating with and spending time with, you know, and things like that. And You know, in in biblical community, these are smaller groups. At, At our church, we call them growth groups, where you know, we get together and we do the going deepers, or you do a book study or a Bible study, and all that's really good. But what you're really doing is building this first line of defense when life goes sideways. You have people who are going to be there for you. And the way this looks is you have your close people, but your, the intimate people, I call these people your 3 a.m. people. All right? These, the 3 a.m. people are people who will take your call at 3 a.m., okay? They don't want you to call at 3 a.m., now, there's a difference. But they'll take your call at 3 a.m. if something is going sideways. And these are also the people, if you don't call them at 3 a.m., they would be hurt, Because they want to be there for you. And again, I think in in life, if you have one person like that, you're doing pretty dang good. If you have more than one, you are blessed. All right? So we're not talking a lot of people here. Jesus had three. He's the son of God. (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) I'm just trying to, you know, set your expectations here. All right? So... And then your close people, you know, these are people that don't want you to call at 3 a.m. They're not going to take your call, but they want to be there to help pick up the pieces and things like that. And that's important. The next level is community. These are people that you are doing life with, that you're moving together with, but you don't necessarily know. You know, in our church, you know, these are the people, you know, that you see around town wearing E3 t-shirts, but you may not know. Maybe they're 9 a.m. people, maybe... They're slackers and don't even get up and go to church. Who knows? But, you know, they somehow got an E3 shirt or or they have, you know, uh, an Element 3 sticker on the back of their car, you know, and you see them and you're like, hey, or hey, or whatever, you know. I had a hey the other day. I was riding my bicycle uh, on Centerville Road and somebody uh, just about killed us and then uh, somebody in the in the group said, "Hey, that guy has an Element Three sticker on." <laughs> I'm like, "Dang, man!" So you know, don't kill your pastor, you know. But but I'm like, "Yeah, that's our community," you know. That I mean, that I don't I didn't recognize the car. I've been looking for it in the parking lot, but uh, <laughs> but. You know, hey, you know, this is our community. I I love our community. You know, I had somebody the other day say to me, Mark, E3 doesn't work as a community on paper. I said, what do you mean? He's like, have you seen the people that go there? I'm like, yeah, I have. And he's like, you got, you know, you got liberals, you have conservatives, you got, uh, you know, you got people with, you know, feel the burn you know bumper stickers on their car and you got you know like you know Trump people and all this kind of stuff and 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 it's crazy I'm like isn't it isn't it beautiful because you know what to me that that that's a that's a community it looks like heaven because it works because of one person Jesus Christ that we, are focused on who Christ wants us to be and we're working that out together as we go closer to the heart and mind of Christ. So those first three things that, that that's our church. And 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 every single one of us should be intimate with somebody in our in our church, but not intimate with everyone. That we should be close with some people but not close with everyone. But we are in community with everyone who is part of this church. Now, I don't know if you recognize the, this, but I thought I was pretty clever. The colors, intimate, close, and community are the three, three colors. All right, all right. I just thought I'd point it out because you're not as clever as me. So <laughs> so then you go outside of our community to the blue people. Now, now the blue people, they're, they're not necessarily bad, they're just not E3ers. You know, this is your Anglicans, your, 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 your Baptists and everything. I mean, they're good people. But they're, you know, they're not trying to kill their pastor on Centerville Road or anything. They're respectful of their pastor. They get, like, little pastor appreciation banners out. I've seen them. So, they don't happen here. But, yep. So, uh, so the acquaintances, this is also going to be people that 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 uh, we interact with that, that may be not part of the larger church. These are just people that our church interacts with in, in, in different ways. And then there's the crowd. There's just those out there. Now, I'm going to take you through a little bit of my personal learning uh, about biblical community. Again, it's, it's been difficult for me just because of my personality and just, thing, just trying to figure out how this all works. Because I used to, when I first became a Christian uh, in my uh, lower 20s, And I went into that rather large church and just trying to figure this out. I kind of thought that, hey, I need to be intimate with everybody or at least close with everybody. And then I thought the idea was, you know, everybody from the crowd needed to be on an intimate level and everything like that. And that's not biblical community. Biblical community is intentionally knowing what part of community you are experiencing with different, different people and what role that you play and leaning into that. And each one of these kind of roles, you know, that, that has different, different aspects uh, and different responsibilities that, that go along with it. And our job as, as being part of a church is to understand, you know, who am I intimate with and, and, and lean into that who am I close with and make sure that I'm fulfilling those you know those responsibilities? What does it mean to be part of this community? How does our community interact with, with the rest of the world? And these are the things that, that make up biblical community. And again, you don't need to know everyone, but you need to know and be known by someone. So continues on in verse 43 as they're focusing on these four things, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in home with, uh, for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what's going on here, and I've heard a lot of sermons and ideas about what Paul's trying to get at in his description here of of the early church. And uh, I've heard, you know, from, you know, people are like, you know, this is what the church should be doing. We should be selling all our stuff and all this kind of, and, and then on the other side of that is, you know, oh no, that, you know, that's just kind of an explanation and it really doesn't have anything to do with today. And I believe that it's something actually uh, in the center, absolutely, uh, that this is a a kind of a description of what it took for us to experience today uh, to get that up and going. To get anything started, it takes enormous intentionality and enormous sacrifice, and our spiritual ancestors did that. That they did enormous amount of sacrifice, uh, but also i, I wouldn 't just kind of just pass it off as history either, because I think one thing that 's really important that you see throughout these scriptures actually five times talks about sharing and this overarching principle of we are in this together that that we are going to be accountable to one another, that we are going to walk with one another, and we are going to help with great intentionality to help each other experience the vision that God has for our lives. And when we do that, and when they did that, that God added to their fellowship, that people from the, cro- the crowd came into their community, that people who were acquaintances came in to their community and it grew. And I think that as we move forward and we look at this, that there, the realization that, that we have to understand is biblical community costs something. And the cost of biblical community is intentional sacrifice, And this is where being intentional is hard because when you're intentional, you get laser-like focused and clear about what it takes. And the reality is, if we want to have a healthy, biblically functioning local church, that means that we need to intentionally sacrifice. That doesn't mean just financially, but it does mean that. That means that we have to intentionally sacrifice our time. That we have to intentionally sacrifice the things that we want to do for the benefit of of the church and for one another. That we have to sacrifice maybe, uh, you know, just kind of tuning out and and actually teaching a class or getting into a mentoring relationship or, or encouraging somebody who's kind of lost their way. That it takes great intentionality and it takes great sacrifice in order to have a biblical community. And the reality is that many of us, that, that we live our life with a great lack of focus and with very little intentionality. That it's for many of us, it's very uh, normal for us to decide on a whim with some friends to go out to eat and we'll drop $25, $50, or even $100 on, on a dinner. And we don't think anything of it. That, you know what, there's many times, or, or, or many of us, you know, we will uh, pay our Netflix subscription without thinking about it, right? That we'll pay our iPhone uh, bill, Uh, uh, religiously heck we'll even go and buy a Powerball ticket (laughs) with the hope that we'll have 1.3 billion dollars walking around money or that we could fund the government for 12 minutes or something like that (laughs) if, if we won we won't miss those kind of things we won't think about those things but we will neglect to give of our money intentionally to make sure that our church can fulfill its mission of making, maturing, and mobilizing fully devoted followers of Christ. How many of us intentionally say, you know what? I'm gonna be at least as faithful in my giving to my church community than I, as I am to Netflix. That's a really low bar, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just telling you. But if you're missing that, that's something that you need to correct today. Today. If you wanna be an intentional follower of Christ, Is it a sacrifice? Absolutely. But the cost of biblical community is intentional sacrifice. It doesn't work. It does not happen by accident. Healthy community, you don't just stumble into healthy communities. They cost. And that cost is high and that cost is constant. And we as a community, if we truly want to call ourselves fully devoted followers of Christ, that, you know what, that means something. And that means that we're investing in one another with our time and our talents and our knowledge and our expertise and our relational wellness and our money. If you flip over to Acts chapter four, and I just want to finish with this, Acts chapter four, verse 32. When all of this kind of stuff was happening, all the believers were united in heart and mind. This is, here's the pastor geek in me. That idea just excites me because this is what I believe. If all of us were of one heart, in one mind, that we were going to intentionally sacrifice to have the most healthy, biblically strong community that we were going to have the highest impact, I believe we'd be unstoppable. If every single one of us, as we talked about last week, took hold of the truth, of the reality that we are not expendable, that we are critical to the mission of Christ, And we are critical to the mission of the church. And it is not by accident that we are here. That Christ had us in mind. That you and I were going to be in this place, in this time, in this community. To come together for such a time as this. To be able to be the hope and the good news to this lost and hurting world and to one another. And if we all just said, you know what? I am part of the body of Christ and as part of the body of Christ that I am going to be an active part. I'm going to be intentional in being the most healthy uh, part uh, and contributing part of that body that I possibly can be. Because the reality is, if if we are not intentionally uh, contributing, that in in whatever measure that we can, then we're taking away from the health of the body. And I believe in each and every one of it. I believe Jesus when He says that that all of us were made for a purpose. I believe that. And I don't believe one of us is just wasted or just taking up space. That all of us are critical. And if all the believers, all of us were united in heart and mind on that, there is nothing that we could not do. He goes on to say, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Verse 33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles who gave them a need. Again, this was just an explanation that's happened, but that's even happened here. That, that, that people have sold property and uh, to help you know, move uh, E3 forward. I mean, it, it, it happens. It doesn't happen every day. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just saying it happens. And then they give an example. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. But I want to actually end with a story right here from E3 that I was told um, uh, this morning after the 9 a.m. Somebody walked up to me and uh, they reached into their purse and pulled out their, uh, their uh, smartphone and showed it to me. Yeah, I did the same thing. Like I'm like, yeah. And she's like, don't you remember? And, and I'm like, ah. Uh. And uh, she's, like, she's like, you remember I really wanted a smartphone? And I'm like, and then it clicked. I remembered this person came to me a year ago and said, I really want a smartphone, but I feel God has called me to put it off for one year. And the money I was going to spend on the smartphone that I was going to give it to this specific, uh, this specific thing, uh, and she said, she said I was faithful and sacrificed for one year, and now I have my smartphone. And she was so excited about her smartphone, and just and then I got excited about. it. I'm like, that is so cool. And I felt so guilty that I didn't remember, but. But uh, but she forgave me, and uh, and it was good. And we had like a kind of a little mini uh, celebration. But just like how cool. I mean, like this, these things is what makes a healthy, biblically functioning church. And every single one, when every time somebody intentionally sacrifices for the cause of Christ, it is never wasted and it brings a little extra health to the body and to the point where that body is strong and healthy and can perform great feats. Not one of us is a mistake. Not one of us is expendable. We are all critical to the mission. And the cost of healthy biblical community is intentional sacrifice. And as we move forward in in this series of intentional acts of discipleship and living life on purpose, hopefully you will be inspired to get some things right, to get laser-like focused, to get intentional about following Jesus. you guys pray with me?